When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Welcome along to the weekend preview on the Final Furlong Podcast, proudly brought to you by The Tote. Download the new PlaySpot app available on iPhone or Android for the quickest and easiest way to play racing's favorite bet. And as somebody who loves to do multiple bets, I can indeed confirm that is one of my favorite bets. Fans, back at racecourses, are you mad? What a time to be alive. Seems like we've got a vaccine fixed as well, so Rory's going to be all better. Um, things are looking up. I'm Emmett Kennedy. Roy Delargy's alongside me, aka Rory DeGravy. Uh, we've got predominantly Aintree and Sandown to talk about, my good man. And we'll start with Aintree and the Beecher Chase, where Kimberlake Candy and LeBroy both head the betting. Uh, chased fairly quickly in the market by Walk in the Mill. Ramses Ditsay at eight, your winner. Uh, with uh, Yala Enki, who we talked about only not that long ago, but the fact that it was so weird that this horse was switched from Venetia Williams to Paul Nichols so late in life. But um, here he is, off top weight with Brian Frost on board, and that's where we'll leave the betting for now, because uh, I want to get the gravy magic from Roy DeLarge and get stuck into who exactly is going to be taking the Beecher Chase. What are your thoughts on this race, my man? And how confident are you in terms of placing a bet? No, I'm not massively confident, I have to say, because I think it's a tremendous, it's a really good renewal of the Beecher and a really competitive one. And you can make a case for virtually everything in the fields as long as the price is right, um, is the uh, the long and short of that. And plenty of these I've backed before. Um I've only backed one horse in the race thus far. I backed him early because I thought the price would go, and the price has gone to a large degree. But I'll mention him first anyway. Kustar Civila. Mm. Um, I uh, backed early in the week. Um, he's a horse who was who missed all of last season. As a as a novice, he was uh, winner of the Ultima Handicap Chase at the Cheltenham Festival. Uh, wasn't really at his best um, last season. Uh, not last season, the, the next season, uh, yeah. and obviously missed um, missed the whole of 2019, 2020. Um, he he did uh, aim for a um, back to back wins um, at Cheltenham and actually started favourite, sorry, co favourite on the day, but ran disappointingly, uh, and then was immediately off for a while. So he, he had his issues, but he came back in. Um, uh, I say at lowly Banger, but in in Banger's best race, essentially the Duchess of Westminster Memorial. Um, and he finished fifth um, behind a horse called Not a Chance. That was, I thought, it was a much more likable display than any that I'd seen from him um, in his last season to race. He just looked a happier horse all round. Um, he only finished 
uh, fifth in the end. He's beaten 29 lengths in a lesser race than this, but he jumped well and he just showed a lot more enthusiasm um, than he had been doing, ridden by Sam Twisted Davis. Um, he was still in there with a chance um, after the third last and just got tired from that point onwards and was, was nursed home by Sam Tristan Davis. That's, um, the, the bare form doesn't give him a tremendous chance of winning this, but it was it was certainly a step up in his last couple of runs. Um, and he's become very well handicapped. Um, he started um, his uh, his last season rated 150 after winning at Cheltenham. He's dropped down to 137 now, which is lower than he was in the weights when he won. Um, that ultimate under Lizzie Kelly. So he's very interesting. He's still only eight. It's not like he's, um, you know, uh, we should expect him to be on the downgrade at this stage. So lightly raced over fences. Don't really know how he'll take to this. Uh, the question earlier in the week was who would ride him because Sam Tristan Davis was not going to be available. Um, Lizzie Kelly had ridden it before. Obviously, Lizzie retired. Mm-hmm. Um, and he doesn't have a huge weight. I don't think Chester Williams could have done the weight even if he'd wanted to. Uh, Tom O'Brien now gets the ride. Um, and that's fair enough. Tom's got plenty of experience here. And I just thought Kustar said that a big price uh, shouldn't be left alone. I have to say he's probably, you know, get it in the realms of the right price now. Um, he's a, sort of 11, 12 to 1. Um, I, I wouldn't, I don't think I'll be backing him at single figures, but I, I thought there was every chance he could be disputing favouritism here in the day, um, given how well handicapped he's become. And that's kind of the issue with the race. There are a lot of horses in, in decent form here and a lot of horses with, with, um, uh, with the class um, towards the head of the market to get involved. But not that many, you would say, are well handicapped. Um, two of them stand out on that front. The other one is Lebroy, who, as you know, is very keen on last season uh, for the Grand National. Of course, Ben Pauling's horses were wrong for most of the year. Uh, and I've only really come right now. I was, you know, I, I was looking at Ben's figures earlier in the year um, to do the Sporting Life call now with, with um, David Massey. Yep. and he was quite keen on one from, from Ben's yard about a month ago and I looked at how they were running and he'd had one or two winners and once if you had if you had your issues and he had um, one of a number of trainers who had problems with uh, substandard hay and the horses you know lacking uh, minerals uh, whatever uh, through through um, being given this hay and it just takes an age to get them right and get their um, get their metabolism straight again uh, and then once you get a winner everyone says oh you turned the corner now um, ben had a winner. He, he had a Grade Two winner actually at Cheltenham, at, at Kempton rather last Christmas with Global Citizen, and everyone said that's it. He's now turning the corner, and then he had no winners for an age after that as well. So the horses were never really right last season, um, but this horse, the Broy, still caught the eye a couple of times. Uh, ben finally um, getting a fair degree of winners. Uh, 16 wins for the for the season. It's not exactly a, uh, a, a massive haul, but they're doing well at the moment. His last two have won, including the Cobb, um, who David put up as a as a bet uh, on the Sporting Life yesterday. So the horses do seem to be uh, running well on the whole at the moment. Uh, and Lebroy is lower in the way. He's nine pounds lower than when he ran in this race last year. And I, I thought he ran a cracker last year. Um, he, he started off in the West Yorkshire Herd and was well beaten in that. He then finished seventh in this race, which doesn't sound tremendous, but he jumped really well. He was bang there until between the last two fences. And then, you know, he got tired. Or, again, you can talk about whether he was, um, you know, whether he was capable of seeing his races out because um, of the the hay issues that the yard had. Um, He then ran really well in his next start at Warwick as well in the classic chase there. Uh, Again, he was only fifth. He's beaten 27 lengths. But he went to jump off handy. They had a false start. And when they did jump off, he was left right at the back of the field 
and he was interfered with about literally a dozen times in the race. Got an absolutely awful run under run under young Luca Morgan. Um, and the truck was marginally at fault. I think it was just one of those things because um, he was caught out with the, with the false start. He was in a bad position and then he tried to make ground, um, you know, at a time. You're always turning at Warwick as well. So it was difficult for him to make ground. And when he did, he was being interfered with by a horse on his outside. Um, and he ended up running, I thought, a very good race. He was then well beaten when he was favourite at, um, at the Cheltenham Festival in the Kimur, um, which was disappointing, I have to say. But again, um, you know, although I expected the horses to be running better at that stage, it wasn't really the case. He made a decent reappearance, his best run since the, the Beecher last year, went fourth at Kelso. Again, shaping as if the run would bring him on. You've got to be slightly careful of horses who constantly shape that way, you know, if they're not quite seeing things out. It's not always just a, a lack of fitness, but he's only had a handful of runs since winning the four miler at the Cheltenham Festival um, a couple of seasons ago. He's dropped a mark of 141. I thought he was an ideal Grand National horse um, this time last year. He'd need, to, he'd need to be winning this race to actually get into the Grand National. One for one wouldn't get him into it, um, but I have very little doubt that he's good enough to do that. Uh, we know he stays at four miles um, because, of course, that was fatefully the last National Hunt chase to be run over four miles at the Cheltenham Festival that he won, beating Disco Rama. Um, and things just haven't quite gone his way since. I still retain the faith that he will he will run well again. Again, he's been well punted for this, but he's a, it's an obvious one for the race. And that's uh, that's a little bit of the issue here. I can I can say positive things about seven or eight of these runners. Uh, your old friend, Viol Leon Rouge, he must be uh, getting into line uh, behind Red Rum as the horse who's who's jumped the most entry fences successfully. Um, he, he can't be far off. He's he's never failed to get round, um, and he's run he's run on the track uh, plenty of times. Of course, previous winner of this race, and although he was disappointing last year, he still finished. Um, and yeah, he's never he's never not managed to jump a fence on the uh, uh, on the Grand National course, um, and he's been around for a while, so. I suspect getting him round again in one piece um, is is very much the aim with him. He's an eleven year old now. He has fallen to a to a fair mark. Now he's two pounds lower than his last winning mark, but I don't think he's quite the, the force of old. He's had a few hard races over the years, um, but it'd be nice to see him run well. Um, who else deserves? Plenty of them deserve a mention, quite frankly. Um, call me a copper is the type to go well fresh. Um, so the fact that he comes in here after after wind surgery in his first round of the season could see him run well. Walk in the Mill, of course, uh, is a, a dual winner of the race. Um, he's looking for for a hat trick, uh, and you wouldn't rule him out for all. Robert Wolf is not in tremendous form at the moment. Manila Celebration loves the um, uh, the course here, Dentry, but not over the national fences. Um, he disappointed in this last year, but he um, he's got a very good record uh, at the Mile May course and was a wide margin winner of what looked a competitive a veterans chase um, last time out, having also won. Uh, was it the summer cup he won at Utoxter in the summer? Um, so he's, you know, he's in the form of his life at the age of ten. Kimberlite Candy looked a, na- uh, uh, you know, uh, a, a natural for the Grand National last year. He would have, um, he'd have been right at the head of the market for the Grand National had it gone ahead, um, having finished second in this race and then won that race at Warwick um, that I was talking about the classic chests, um, looking for all the world that he would relish further. Uh, they haven't run him since. He's still only an eight-year-old. Um, he's probably going to be favourite um, on the day. Kimberlite Candy, I, I couldn't put you off him other than 
in terms of price. And of course, my, my old friend Ramses de Taille in there as well. Ramses you know, he's a horse I've always been keen on. Um, he will um, he will run well. His issue in the past is that you know he he was jumping fences at four, um, and he's got some very good form, but he doesn't hasn't always seen his races out, including in the Grand National a couple of years ago. Although his his, um, uh, his riders David Noonan's reins broke that day. Mm. Um, Plus, he was young. Uh, yeah, he was very young, um, and I I, I was. So it was, he's a grand national horse as well. And he jumped around, he jumped around the course. He was actually pulled up after the last fence um, on that occasion. And the, and the, uh, the excuse was that the reins broke. Um, although I suspect, suspect he, you know, that wasn't the only reason why he was out of touch at that stage. Um, but he's, the, you know, Tom Scudamore said he's, he's seeing things out much better these days. He was well beaten, for example, in the, um, uh, the what is the Plantura Chapel House handicap chase at Cheltenham at three mile three events last year. He went off favourite for him. It was disappointing. This year he came back and he beats Yana Enki and they, they meet again here. He hasn't gone up much for that. He was one four nine, he's got up to one five three. Um, you know, he's he's run enough good races. He, you know, he was a dual grade two winner over hurdles um on soft ground last season. So a mark of one five three shouldn't be beyond him. Um and of course, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't entirely rule Yala Enki out although he's He's gone up three points as well for getting beaten. He's got 11 on 12 on his back, mm. uh, which makes life tough for him. Jet, I would have, I, I backed Jet for the Grand National at a big price. I was very sweet in his chances last season uh, because I thought his form in grade one, grade two company in Ireland last year was very solid. Unfortunately for him, his last two runs have been poor. Um, ever since he won the uh, the virtual Irish Grand National in the spring. Remember that? On the virtual, I, I was pissed off because I backed him for the virtual Grand National at the entry. No show there, but no, because wins the virtual national at that ferry house. Uh, anyway, um, since then, I'm afraid he's he's decided he's done enough. Someone else must have told him that, and he's um, uh, he's been down the field at Galway um, in the Galway play in the punches time um, uh, in October. So I'm a grand national winner. I don't have to do anything. To back, but you know, if he hadn't, you know, on, on last season's form, I'd give him a chance of this kind of weight. And of course, you'll remember that ASO was clear. Clear he was in the virtual Grand National when falling at the second last. Who falls at the second last? <laughs> Nobody falls at the second last. Poor old Charlie Deutsch. Would have been counting his virtual money there, wouldn't he? Um, but whether his experience whether his experience in the virtual national will uh, will count against him here, I'm not entirely sure. Um, but jokes jo- joking aside, this is a tremendous race. Um, and it's it's full of horses I quite like. Uh, which makes it a little bit difficult for me to choose. As I said, I decided to step in early because I thought Kustar Civilo would be short on the day. I'm not sure I'll be putting him up at the weekend. It depends okay. how his price holds up uh, between now and then. If he's 12s or bigger, I might put him up as a bet in the uh, in the field, but I may um, go elsewhere. Because as I said, you know, even the 20 to 1, I, did, I haven't mentioned Smooth Stepper, you can give a chance to as well. Um, there are loads of these that you can make some kind of case for. Um, so I will keep an eye on the uh, uh, on the weather because it's been pretty nasty here um, and it's been pretty nasty in the Midlands today as well. So I don't know how much rain they're getting on the on the Grand National course. It's, I think it's soft in the National course, but if it turns heavy, um, that that would change the look of the race entirely. I'm always inclined to look for horses at, at the bottom of the weights. If you go through this race since it was revived in it was the early 90s, wasn't it? And the race came back. Kildaimo, I remember winning it in '92. Um, there have been horses who've carried big weights in this, and they're not necessarily household names. But I think Eurotrek would be one of the 
one of the most famous horses to have, to have won this. We carried Lemonstone 12 for Paul Nichols back in uh, 2006 in the colours of Paul Green. But there are many more winners who are carrying sort of um, 10 stone or thereabouts, 10 stone 9 or less. Uh, and I'd much rather be down the bottom of the weights, which is partly why I went with Kustar Civil in the first place, because um, 10 stone 4 uh, for a horse like him who's won a, um, a grade 3 handicap at the Cheltenham Festival is a very, um, potentially a very lenient weight. Um, and I would consider horses who've got a bit of life in them with that kind of weight in this race before I look at the top weights. So him and LeBroy would probably be top of my list. Um, but okay. you're not getting an awful lot of, uh, you're not getting a huge amount of value in the market at the moment um, with those because they both attracted support in the last couple of days. Yeah. Um, in terms of Kustar Savola, five pounds lower than when he won at the Cheltenham Festival. Uh, in terms of horses carrying 11 stone or more, only one in the last decade black line 11 stone six and he was being backed as though he was an absolute good thing yeah yeah and he uh, was he was hey siri what's the weather price. forecast for liverpool this weekend looks like nice weather coming up in liverpool england for this weekend <laughs> up to six degrees well uh, six degrees well, is if, exactly if six degrees is your idea of nice weather then crack on i like the fact that, um, that yeah. siri is saying it looks like nice weather but it's gonna rain tomorrow apparently on Friday, yeah, so, but but Saturday is meant to be dry. So uh, there you go. Um, uh, Rams is the tie. Wins it. He's. Uh, it's his time. It is his time. Uh, we'll switch to Sandown. If he does, I'll be kicking myself for not putting him on my tender to follow. I did last year, um, on the basis of of him winning glory, races like glory, this in the Welsh glory. National and then the Grand National, or possibly you know a couple of. Gr- uh, yes, yeah, a good point. He did win. He did win the Grade Two hurdles. So it's not like I not like I did badly with him. Yeah, you, you got points out of him. You got points out of him. But still, though, you'll be kicking yourself. But you know who'll be kicking himself even more? Me, because neither did I. Uh, the 150 at Sandown is the Plantar at uh, Chapel Stud. Henry the Eighth Novices Chase, where all mankind heads the betting at five to two, but only just from Hitman. Uh, for Paul Nichols having his second start around about three to one. Eldorado Allen for Colin Tissard and Poppy Power nine to two. Uh, Gala for Jamie Snowden and Gavin Sheen is nine to two. And um, Phoenix Way kind of wraps things up. We've got Tombarak Dumatan. Let's go with that. As uh, the Paul Nichols second uh, string is eight to one. I really like Hitman here. Really like Hitman. Uh, I was very impressed with his win at. Fast last. Um, talk me out of it. Talk me around. Talk some common sense into me, Rory. Who, uh, who wins? I was impressed with Hitman as well. Difficult to know exactly what's what's he um, what he achieved that day, but he had all his rivals in trouble a long, long way from home. Mm. Um, and again, this is the problem with with um, with looking at races like this. Um, uh, Totter down. Uh, tried to to take him on and uh, was beaten. Uh, well beaten when falling for out. He runs later in the card here. Um, Highway 102 um, was uh, was fancy to beat him. Or you know, with a with a big reputation for Chris um, Chris Gordon, um, and he also uh, uh, took a, uh, a fairly hefty fall um, three out. Um, unfortunately, he then unseated his rider in his next start as well, Carlisle. So he didn't get much of an idea of. He was moving into that with a well, it was, it was an early. I was going to say moving into it with a degree of menace. It's an early enough stage, and he just he just uh, went went um, went off to his left, made a mistake, and unseated his rider there. 
um, when traveling okay. So difficult to know from the from the uh, collateral form uh, what it's worth. Um, and always difficult as well to look at um, speed figures from fossils. They can be, um, A, they're, they're, they're difficult to... Um, uh, to find in the first place there was a couple of the course being reasonably new and taking time to bed down but also they don't always translate elsewhere so I've seen a, I've made the mistake of, of um, uh, believing remarkable time figures uh, from fossilized only to find they, they don't really translate elsewhere he did look very good though he looked very good indeed it might well be that a, that a, a speed track like um, like fossilized uh, suits him and again uh, not everyone would call a Foslas a, a speed track, but it's, it's pretty flat. Um, a lot of horses don't get home in bad ground there, um, but he's got a lot of a lot of speed, and he did it on the bridle, but while being able to get the others in a degree of trouble. Um, Mac, the man who was second to him at Foslas, was just ridden to pick up the pieces. He went off at seven. He went off a similar price to Hitman, um, but he was dropped well off the pace by Robbie Parr. It seems the way Evan Williams likes his horses ridden, just drop them out and let them stay on past, past beaten horses. Um, certainly worked in the Grand National when he picked up, I think, Evan Williams trained four consecutive fourth-placed finishers in the Grand National oh, in these colours. Right. I think you could be right. Um, and yeah, the, the idea is you just you let everyone else get on with it and you pick your way through and uh, it pays off in the end. But um, that again, they give you no idea what the difference in ability um, between the two of them was. Um you know, and he has, um, you know, it's difficult to, to weigh up his, his French form. It's, that looked a massive improvement on his chase debut mm-hmm. um, at Force Last, and he could be anything. He certainly impressed me that day. But um, look at, do we say Galor or do we say GA Law? Reminds uh, me of. Galor. I think they're saying Galor. Um, it reminds me of um, my, uh, my late father used to watch LA Law on the TV. Remember LA Law? <laughs> Dun, 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 dun. Of course, I remember it. I not enough to have any any idea of what the story was, except that it was yeah, uh, obviously a, a legal a, a, a drama. But I do remember that Corbin Burnson was in it, and then he was in it. He was then he was in a show called The Cape, which I got very excited about because it was on RT. It was about NASA, and it turned out to be a lot of shit. Ah, well, there you go. Harry Hamlin also in it. Etc. Nah, nah. Well, I, I, could, know, I couldn't tell you anybody else was La Law. Because I've been watching this program. It's really good. It's called La Law. <laughs> and I thought, do I tell him? Do I not tell him? It was that, and it was, and it was his favorite actress, Penelope Keith. Who? Um, Penelope Keith. Oh, you know, oh. to the manner born. Oh God. Oh dear. Penelope to her. But that La Law, though, that was really good. That La Law was really good. Yeah. Anyway, so that's uh, I've. Uh, I have a little bit of a pang of, of, uh, of a memory coming back with that. Um, he's he's been impressed, very impressive first time out at Exeter. Um, again, he jumped much better than his rivals at Wincanton. He wasn't entirely perfect uh, at Wincanton, um, and he was left left on his own uh, in front. And the odds-on favourite that day um, uh, had a breathing problem, Grand Sancy. So I'm not sure that that Galo had to beat an awful lot. I also think, given how he's moved on his, his last couple of starts, um, and indeed his, his three chase wins have come on good to firm and good ground, uh, it's not going to be good to firm or good at Sandown on Saturday, which has to count against him, I think. For all, he, he's a wonderful horse and he looks very exciting. 
he's he's the second of three four-year-olds in the race, All Mankind being the other. All Mankind was beaten um, without any excuse, aside from the fact that he went without his usual hood in the Masters and Holdings hurdle at Cheltenham. That form's worked out um, well enough, you'd say. Um, the Masters and Holdings, he... he was, he was giving weight away um, to uh, Botox Haas and the Pinkin. Um, and they um, uh, they both ran at Newbury. Last Saturday, the Pinkin was second in the Jerry Fielding. Um, and uh, um, Botox Haas, or Botox Ha, um, was fourth. Um, maybe he bounced a bit from, given he was off a long time before the Cheltenham run. He was a little bit below that form. But, but the Pinkin, who is arguably the weak link there, um, has run at least as well next time out. So, you know, that form looks solid enough. Um, but he, he jumped very well when winning on his chase debut, um, beating Sansa, um, taking advantage of the four-year-old alliance, which again, he gets here. But it, it, the, the four-year-old alliance um, decreases by, I think, a pound every fortnight. Um, so as these four-year-olds go on, they're getting less and less in terms of weight for age until the Cheltenham Festival, they get nothing at all. Uh, we did have three four-year-olds winning this um, in consecutive years a few years ago with um, Farallon, Maradima and Arlder, the last two not getting any weight um, from their uh, from their rivals. Um, so, you know, those three ha- have an advantage. But all three of them have um, been able to dominate um, small fields um, to win their chases. And I wonder... I mean, this isn't a particularly big field, but plenty of them will, will want to get on with it. Um, we, we mentioned um, two of them are All Mankind and Sam and Galaw will both want to go forward. Um, and it won't be easy for either of them to dominate the other or indeed um, those who sit just behind them. Hitman um, allowed um, a couple of his rivals to go on first, um, but he was travelling well a long way from home and was in front um, a fair way out. And then you've got, uh, you know, Tamarok de Matha. I, I, I don't think Tamarok de Matha is good enough to win this, um, but I could be wrong. He was pretty impressive and looked a better chaser than a hurdler when beating Golden Taipan at Wincanton, but I don't think that form is as strong as the Wincanton form um, shown by Galois, and his hurdles form suggested that he was a little bit behind um, what's required to win this as well. El Dorado Allen... Um, was arguably lucky to win at, at Cheltenham um, last time out. Um, but, you know, that was a decent novice chase at Cheltenham. And I know that Robbie Parr thought he might have won anyway, um, even if Gumball had not fallen at the uh, the second last. You know, if you imagine Gumball getting the second last wrong but staying on his feet, we often we often assume, you know, if horses jump, fence X, they win. Um, but suppose they just make a mistake and stay on their feet. Well, the mistake can often be enough just to... Uh, to knock them out. And then, you know, we don't talk about bad luck uh, if you beat a horse who's made a mistake at one of the last two fences. And I guess if, if Gumball, you know, had, had simply got the second last wrong and stayed on his feet, then El Zorado Allen, who still has something left to give at that stage, would have picked him up. And then we wouldn't be talking about how lucky he was. He beat Keldestan 19 lengths um, in, you know, what looked a good race at the time. Um, and that's, of course, a grade two contest as well. So I would... I would set plenty of store by the fact that, that he's been tested against very good horses and come out in front, El Dorado Allen, whereas um, a few of these, including Phoenix Way, is the other one we haven't mentioned. Um, um, he's, again, looked very good beating uh, beating lesser opposition. 
Um, he wasn't. He was. He won it for a mark of 133 over hurdles, Phoenix Way. Uh, he looked like he had plenty more to offer. But I'm always the type to um, uh, to stick to um, to graded form. Um, and although Gal Law has has won a Grade Two last time out, the worry with him would be the ground. Um, I would go with El Dorado Allen. Um, Colin Tizard seems to think he's a he's a much stronger horse this year than he was. Tends to be the thing that racehorse trainers say anyway. You know, when things go wrong with a horse one year and then next year they win on the reappearance as they had the year before, the rhetoric is always, yeah, I was never happy with him last season, um, but he's a different horse this year. That's what you say when you're winning races. When you're losing races, you say something else. Um, so uh, if I if you put any credence on what Colin Tizard says, then El Dorado Allen is... is um, uh, a horse who's always shown huge ability through his career. He's now capable of, of stringing big results together. Um, and I would just favour him in what's going to be a really fascinating contest. Yeah, it's going to be a fascinating renewal of the King Edward VIII this year. Uh, I'm definitely with Hitman, though. I'm very, very excited about him. And Paul Nichols has taken nine of the nine. He's taken four of the last nine renewals. If he'd taken nine of the last ten renewals, well, that really would be quite something but um, he's listen he's he's the really dark horse in the race yeah he's just very very exciting and um i can't, I must can't get I've away i've never from been him. a fan of his sire falco um i can see the concerns yeah but uh, uh no, he, won the, we'll, he won the um we'll we'll the stick with him we'll stick with him and he's the sire of peace and cool and horses like that but yeah yeah but his his um offspring has been slightly short runners but I'll, uh, I'll let him away with it and let him prove that he's not a, just a cheese-eating surrender monkey, that he can actually do a little <laughs> bit more, and I, I, I think he can. Um, before we talk about the feature race of the entire weekend, the Final Forum Podcast is proudly brought to you by The Tote, now under new management. Can't emphasize that enough. With certain horses carrying certain colours this weekend, now under new management. Ahem. The Tote is looking to bring pool betting back to the masses with better value, brilliant bets, and a new slick app. And with the new new Tote guarantee, you will never be paid less than the SP on win bets. And of course, if the pool pays more you get the bigger price. That's also never been easier to place your favorite bets online, including the PlaySpot and the Scoop 6. We mentioned the new app earlier on, as well as the brand new Tote Survivor, where the aim of the game is to be the last person standing. If you haven't got an account, join the Tote today and enjoy a risk-free bet on any of their pools. Terms and conditions apply and all the usual stuff. The Tinkle Creek. Uh, This is going to be some race. Uh, we got Altior, we got Greentine for Paul Nichols, we got Politolog for Paul Nichols, Harry Skelton takes the ride, uh, Rouge Vif, who apparently all the money was for uh, during the week, and uh, a lot of people have put Rouge Vif in their tote tent to follow, which uh, Jamie was telling us about uh, over the weekend. I think that he's the most entered, yeah, he's the most entered tent to follow um, member of this lineup. So people are really trying to think outside the box. And then we've got some outsiders. Uh, Castle Grace Paddy and uh, Bruno Pastor with um, Castle Grace Paddy, the outsider of the field. Question here, really, Rory, is is Altior back? And if so, how far does he win by? Um, it's it's harsh um to, to crab Altior too much given his record 
Um, but he's a horse I've wanted to be against now for a while uh, because as he gets older, he seems to spend longer in the air. Um, and although that the finishing kick is still in existence, uh, he, he's looked vulnerable. He looked vulnerable before he won the, um, the game spirit last year. Um, he beat so Royal. Obviously he was beaten on his reappearance when, uh, you know, uh, the horse he beat him is a very good horse. But what was significant in that race at Ascot, despite the fact that Cernian made quite a bad mistake at the first stitch, uh, which doesn't tend to get mentioned by anyone, um, he jumped, he, he took a length out of Altior at every fence in that race. And this is a horse that Paul Nichols says is too slow to enter in the Ryanair. Uh, he didn't outstay Altior in that race last year. Altior was beaten everywhere and then plugged on quite well after the last. Um, and that, that race obviously left a bit of a mark on him. We only saw him again in the in the game spur, and of course he missed the, the champion chase. Um, I, again, I take issue with, with Timeform's comments that he's a very good jumper. A very good jumper is a horse who doesn't lose ground at his fences. And Altior, for all, you look at his big, you know, when you know he's won and then you look at how, you know, how much distance he's put between himself and the the top of the last ditch, you can go, wow, what a jump that is. But actually, he's lost, you know, he's lost the length doing it. He, he keeps doing it. He keeps giving his fences plenty of clearance, but he he lands steeply and he does not get away quickly from his fences. And um, he's been relying on the fact that he has, you know, he's had a class edge in this division for a while, um, and he's got a tremendous tremendous finishing boot. He manages to save a lot of energy for the finish of his races. And he is one of the best horses we've seen in the last 20 years. There's no doubt about it. So I don't want to be to be look, looking to be sitting here slagging Altior off. Um, but he's looked vulnerable for a while now. Um, he did, of course, trade at a, a fairly big price when winning the champion chase in 2019. Um, when you can see, just watch the, a replay of that, look at the last two fences. He's outjumped both times by Soul Royal. We know Soul Royal is a smashing horse, but a horse also with his limitations. At the top level, he was he was uh, well beaten in this race last year, for example. Uh, and I can see Altior getting beaten, although I'm disappointed with the field put up against him. Mm. You know, um, particularly that um, uh, the winner of the of the Henry VIII on this card last year hasn't been thrown in against him again, um, or, or against him for the first time. That would have been an interesting clash. Rouge Viff doesn't want, um, according to his trainer, does not want soft ground. He took issue with the fact that someone said he liked soft grind to the point said the racing post says, Oh, he likes, he really likes soft grind. And Harry Whittington made the point of saying he doesn't like soft grind. He is definitely best in good grind and will try to avoid soft grind in the future. Well, they avoided soft grind in the slur chase when taking him out there. And it looks like the grind is going to turn. I mean, the grind is, is good to soft at the moment at Sander. It's not going to be good to soft now, given, you know, I'm, I'm not that close to, to Isher, although it's not, it's not that far on a train from here. Um, and I can't believe that they're not getting the rain that we've had. E- every minute of the day, it's been raining today. Um, and just, I think that there are plenty of that. Let's just double check. Right, Is it going to rain in London on Saturday? We'll see some rain there, but it will clear up later. Yeah, but that could be too late, yeah, though. After for, racing's for finished. Yeah. Uh, more important is, is the rain they're getting now. Um it, as I said, it's rained here all day. It's been very, very, very wet indeed. Um, you know, you wouldn't call it torrential, but it's the kind that gets everything wet. Uh, and according to my fancy uh, weather forecasting app, um, it tells me that Esher, Sandown Park, 
is today, before the sun goes down, um, getting about 15 mils. Ooh. Not much tomorrow. And, and look, at Saturday, there might not be a hell of a lot arriving on Saturday, but if they get 15 to 20 mils in one day uh, leading up to this, then, yeah, again, not an awful lot around. There's a, you know, there'd be um, possibly a bit of sleet around uh, early Saturday morning, according to my my forecast. Um, but yeah, 15 mils of rain today. We'll, um, we'll see a couple of these come out, I think. Um, hopefully Altior isn't one of them, but he has come out before because of very bad ground. Um, brewing up a storm, I don't think wants soft ground. Um, he was last um, in the uh, the Colin Parker on his reappearance on soft ground. Uh, and he, of course, uh, unseated his rider in the uh, uh, in the Oracle on, on soft. Um, mm. Or sorry, in the, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, the Oracle. Yeah. In the Oracle. Um Castle Grace Paddy will handle the ground, handle it very well. Um, whether he's as good as a beating off a blue tower in the Fort Shreya last time out um, is open to. I've always quite liked Castle Grace Paddy, but he's fallen short when he's run in Grade One uh, company before, uh, quite a long way short as well. So, although he does have decent bits of form and he's always been a decent horse uh, for a part of he won the. Um, he ended uh, last season winning the, the Webster Cup, which is a relatively new race at Navan. Um, and he's then uh, won there again in the Fortria. It may well be that Sandown suits him really well, and, and he's largely a very good jumper, but um, he'll be an outsider for this. You know, he's a nine-year-old now. It's not, like he's, it's not like he's liable to be suddenly improving, but that looks like a career best last time out. But a flu tire wouldn't have been ready for that race. He was beaten in last season as well. Um, Politolog won this race last year. He doesn't, um, he's not exactly a mudlark, but he does act on heavy going. And, uh, he was, of course, he won the champion chase, making all the running on soft grind at Cheltenham in March. Um, and as I said, Rouge Viv doesn't want this grind. Um, for all you know, you look at his form and you say, well, he's run several times on soft grind, but Harry Whittington has come to the conclusion that he will be better on, on goodish grind and was just on the soft side of good when he won at Cheltenham's reappearance. And he looked, he looked a proper tool that day. Um, but whether he runs, if the ground turns very soft, I don't know because, you know, Harry Whittington has made the point in midweek that he was praying that the rain didn't arrive. Um, so he's, you know, he's doubling down on this notion that Rougevif is a is a good ground horse. And he believes that most most of the offspring of the sire, Sageburg, uh, want a decent ground rather than um, rather than the mud as well. So it's a disappointing turnout against against Altior. Politolog could easily win it. Um, he's very straightforward. Um uh, but you have to you have to admit he won he won what ended up being a champion chase that fell apart in March. Yeah, and, and also was, prior to that, he deserved to stay in the been, sun, but it's not an outstanding performance to win that. Yeah, but also prior to that, he'd been beaten eighteen lengths by Defi de Soy. He'd been beaten twenty lengths by Min, and he'd been hammered twenty lengths by his stable companion surname. So it's not like. Yeah, great. I mean, delighted for him that he got his his day in the sun, and Harry Durham had had put him up on the podcast to win the champion chase at the start of the season. So those who yeah. took the big odds, that was fantastic. But let's not pretend that he's been like keeping tremendous levels of form going all season long. Like he's been thrashed more than once and um, may, maybe conditions on Saturday will suit him, but uh, I'm happy enough to look elsewhere to be honest about it. 
Yeah, and, and even even if you say the conditions will suit him, it's not like it's not like he's looked like he's he's a, a, an absolute mudlark through his career. I think he's a better horse, um, like, like almost every horse is better horse on on, on good ground. Mm. Uh, he's just a horse who handles um, all types of ground, and he's very reliable. Um, but you know, if you if you look through his record for his heavy ground wins, you know they've come in in lesser races than this. Um, I still think he'd run well. Um, it's just you know I don't want to bag Altior. I want to be against him largely this year because um, he's going to be a very short price, and he has shown um, his frailties now in the last year. But the, the record also shows that he, he's um, uh, that he's been almost untouchable for quite a while. Uh, and he won this race very well in the mud two years ago. I mean, it was really deep. If you remember when he won a four-runner race in 2018, and if he's in that kind of form, they won't touch him. You know, he beat Underso easily uh, when Underso was at his peak um, with St. Calvados 15 lengths behind and So Royal um, another five lengths uh, back in last place. And that, I, I thought that um, St. Calvados, who'd won the same race that um, that Castlegrist Paddy won. Uh, leading up to this, I thought that was his opportunity to um, to, to grab a big scalp, um, and he's shown himself to be top class horse since, hasn't he? St. Calvados, but mm-hmm. he wasn't anywhere near good enough to, to touch Altior on the day, and that that's the worry with with going in against the favourite um, that you need something that's going to produce a, a genuinely top class performance. Otherwise, Altior can do plenty wrong. You know, he can he can waste ground in the air defences. Uh, and he can be short of his peak, but as long as he's still got a finishing kick, he ought to be good enough to beat these anyway. Um, uh, but then again, there is the question about whether, because he's had a couple of setbacks um, over the last year or so, um, whether he is just not quite the force of old, uh, even you know, on top of the the reasons you think he might be might be um, beatable in a race like this. So, so does this mean you're just back out Does this mean price. you're coming down a probably back? I probably end up back in Greenatine, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's got plenty to find, but he is the horse who who is most likely to put in a career best here by a long way. Um, and he will, I think he'll appreciate the softer grounds compared to Exeter, um, where he beat Moonlighter. And we don't know how good that form was because Moonlighter was favourite at Newbury last weekend and tanking along when he completely misjudged was at the ditch um, and, and came down at a fairly early stage. So we didn't really get a, a chance to test the form there. Um, he he was workmanlike rather than impressive. But he was, the impression I got on the day, um, listening to Connections, listening to Harry Cobden after the race, was that he was quite badly in need of the run at Exeter and that he blew up and got a second wind and that he'd come on a lot for it. Now he does, on the figures, he needs to come on a lot. He was winning off a mark of 151. Um, and he'd need to be... Um, high 160s really to win this but I think it's possible and he's only 6 and we've seen Paul Nichols do this um, before with similar horses I mean I remember when when Masterminded um, won this race in 2008 he was only a, he was a year older but he had a, s- a similar sort of profile in that we hadn't seen an awful lot um, often coming into this um, but he won you know he'd won the He'd won the champion chase prior to that masterminder, but I remember he went. He was winning handicaps prior to that, um, and um, you know when when horses when top class horses click for the first time, they can show an awful lot of improvement because you know, the handicapper doesn't know quite where to pitch a, a horse like Greenatine, who's um, you know he was winning at Fakenham this time last year, um, and 
you know, there was a bit of a, a bit of a guess given him a mark of 150 for the grand annual, which was well fancy for. He ran a cracking race there to be fourth because uh, he didn't get a particularly good run through the race. His form before that had come in smallish fields, um, and it was a real baptism of fire for him. But um, he improved again in that race, and he's improved for that in winning the Halden Gold Cup, despite, again, giving the impression on both occasions that we weren't seeing the best of him. Um, he looks a very sound jumper. I think Sandown will suit him really well. And I think he's probably worth... He's not, he's not a maximum bet because he needs to improve so much, but I think he's worth a, a win bet um, to take on Altior, who's going to be odds on. Okay. So Green Team, uh, currently available at fives. Um, I will side with Altior just because I'd like to see Nicky celebrating in the winner's enclosure afterwards and um, all kinds of social distancing protocols been broken uh, with, with tears in his eyes but no seriously it would be nice to see Altior go and win again But tears um, two and three in his eyes <laughs> fully respect um, Rory's selection with Green Teen and uh, does appear to be certainly in betting terms anyway to be the number one choice of the Nichols camp so it'd be interesting to see how things go there uh, 240 at Aintree uh, means that we're seeing Nicky Henderson again, this time with Santini, Jeremiah McGrath on board. Uh, slightly odds against. He's currently drifted from 10 to 11 to 5 to 4, depending on who you're betting with. Native River for Colin Tizard and Richard Johnson, the old boy, 9 to 4. Old boy, he's only 10. Uh, Frodon, revelation last time out, 5 to 2. And then it's whatever price you want. It really centers around these three. So who do you want to choose from, um, Rory? I think the key to this is whether Santini is absolutely ready for this return because he wasn't last year. Um, he, he won in his reappearance last year, but my Lord, he made hard work of winning that intermediate chase at Sandown um, where he was off the bridle uh, for a long way before beating uh, my old friend, Noy McGinty. Um, by a head um, so if he runs to that kind of level this time he won't be winning and I, I get the impression of course he takes a fair bit of getting fit and he's got other fish to fry I think uh, Nicky's thinking Cotswold Chase um, after this rather than going to Kempton with him for example so the track will suit him very well um, and I think he wins it if ready for it. I haven't seen an interview with, with Nicky Henderson as to whether he thinks um, Santini's forward enough for this, and that's that would make it difficult to back him if he, you know, if he's if he if he's running in this with something to work on for next time, then that would be a concern. And I would definitely want to have um, with a horse with Santini. I'd like I'd like to see him have a run. Interesting that Nicky's talking about Grand National at the end of the year with him. Sees him as an ideal Grand National candidate, which is fair enough. Um, although Nicky's historical ideal Grand National candidate is a two and a half mile chaser, but um, uh, Santini is very much not that, um, and he would be an interesting type at, at entry because he gives the impression the further he goes, the better he gets. Um, and I'd just be a little bit wary of backing him at the prices. I have put him in in one of my ten to follow lists, so um, uh, I wouldn't mind him uh, winning this on his uh, on a seasonal reappearance. Get a few pounds in the pocket. And of course, there's the £10,000 prize for December as well, isn't there? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So can't that plenty of grade one and grade two prizes through the month of December. And I'm heavy on grade one and grade two horses. 10K gravy lists. up so for like grabs. Yeah. Whereas I don't have Native River on my list, but I think Native River will be ready for this. 
despite the fact he's a 10 year old and you might expect him to, to need the run after a break. He was um, deadly in this last year, wasn't he? He was an absolute joy to watch. And that was the, um, that was the, the beginning of the end um, for Mike Mike, wasn't it? Mm. Um, who was. Isn't he out had, again uh, this uh, weekend? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think I'm not really. I'm not really keeping an eye on on uh, Mike. But he does have an entry. I think he's running. He's, the, yeah, he's we'll we'll we'll, the last. Sure. He's yeah. in the Grand Sefton, but he wouldn't. He wouldn't make an awful lot of appeal on that. Jesus. Um, given how he's been running of late, but there you go. Um, yeah, that was uh, Mike. Bike was a reasonably reasonably well fancy for that, and um, he was losing the battle for the lead uh, when Nico sort of reined him back in, and then he's. Um, uh, he unseated his rider early on near the river then basically had a schooling session, but he really attacked his fences with the blinkers and Colin Tizard believes the blinkers are, are um, make a massive difference to him just because, you know, he's, he's a big old fashioned um, chaser um, who just needs help concentrating. I think and when he wears, when he wears the blinkers, he really has a go at his fences and he's, he's great to watch. So despite the fact that he's conceding age, um, to Santini I think he's the likelier of the pair to be ready for this um, and again of course he was you know the only other time we saw him last season was when he won the the Denman chase um, again he's another one he's probably going to head for the Grand National come the end of the season which is you know it, it'd be great it'd be great to see some of these um, really good staying chasers being aimed at the Grand National as their primary target rather than taking in the Gold Cup and then going, Asher will go for the Grand National as well. It doesn't help your chances of winning a Grand National by going Gold Cup first. Um, and the more the more good horses who, who ran to the entry as a, um, as a first thought rather than a second thought, the better as far as I'm concerned. But Native River, I would just favour here on the basis that Santini might just need the run. Um, I, I think at this stage, Santini is marginally the better horse, um, but Native River is... Um, uh, is the type who will who will absolutely wear his heart in his sleeve. They're both wearing headgear here. Santini has, has cheek pieces on what she did when he ran in the Gold Cup, and they seem to help him there. So the fact that he's wearing the headgear, you could argue, is a sign of intent. It's a sign that they don't necessarily need to run, but I find with, with good horses, when um, when they start wearing headgear, they tend to wear it most of the time. Some some trainers will, if if they're giving a horse a blue out, will leave the headgear off. Mm. Um um, but you know this is a this is a very good uh, race in its own right. It's a Grade Two chase, and you'd be mad to just to use it as a uh, as a means of getting fit. Um, so I'd, I'd imagine Santini's as fit as they can get him at home. I just wonder whether um, you know in his, his fourth season he's just a little bit hard to get fit, comparatively speaking. So last year's winner, Nader River for Rory Delargy. We go back to Sandown and the uh, the London National, uh, where Cloudy Glen. Heads the betting anywhere around about the 15 to 8 mark. Uh, Classic Ben, 7 to 2. Cross Park, 9 to 2. Doing fine. Yeah, and I am doing fine. Stop asking me. 6 to 1. Uh, Pavel's Bay, 10s. And uh, Shanro Santos, 12s. This used to be a massive field race from memory. Uh, not this year. Uh, anything that particularly stands out for you, Roy? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not very keen on the favourites. Clyde Glenn. And he's a difficult one to wear. He has not looked a stayer in the past. Mm. Um, he ran over three miles here in February, for example. He ran one of his better races. Um, 
in the in the the masters handicap chase. Um, but he was definitely a done for stamina um, by Desa Abba, who who won the race. Um, and his very best form. Desha Abba for goodness' sake, Jenny. Desha Abba, yeah. Sorry, sorry. I'm falling into the uh, falling into the the the, the commentators' um, <laughs> curse. Desha Abba for the Desha. Anyway, if it's not if it's got nothing to do with Cork, you shouldn't be getting upset about it. No, if, if, if it's not Kilkenny, I don't want to know. But Daisha, all the, all the same. I've got family down in Waterford. They'd go nuts. Proceed. Um, yes. Uh, he then won the Southern National Football last time. He won it very easily. Hard on the bridle. I My gut feeling is that was an appalling contest. And I could be wrong. Obviously, you, if, if you watch the race, he absolutely cruises away with it. Uh, he wasn't massively fancied for it. He beat Christmas in April, who stays all day, and doing fine with third also stays all day. But I just got the impression, and if you look at the, the speed figures, are very dangerous in staying races. I just thought that this ended up being a race over three and a half miles, which was run like a two and a half mile race. They didn't, they didn't go a proper gallop in it. And in the end, the horse with the natural speed came away. I don't think he suddenly found stamina for three and a half miles. I think he just had far too much uh, tactical speed um, for plotters like doing fine in Christmas and April at the end of this race. Um, and it annoyed me a little bit because I laid him on the basis that in a well-run three and a half miles, he wouldn't have the stamina for it. And mm. I could tell all the way through, they, were, they just sort of hacked around. Um, and... If he produced a good speed figure for that, then, that, you know, sometimes you look at a race and you think they're not going very fast and it turns out they've actually got a proper gallop. It's just sometimes you misread the body language. Um, but for me, they didn't go They didn't go particularly um, a strong pace that day. And he's he's cruised home mainly because the others couldn't raise a, 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 you know, couldn't raise a gallop as he could at the end of it. He may well be worth the 11 pound rise he got from that, but I just think there's something very dubious about that form. The ground is not going to be an issue. The more it rains, the more people are going to think that he's a good thing in this race and back him. And as a whole, Venetia Williams, heavy ground at Sandown, thank you very much, will clean up, but not convinced. And of course, you know, he's a horse who, who's, um, uh, who's got an R and two Fs on his record from, from last season, um, running out at, uh, at Cheltenham in January. Um, although I, I, I'd forgive him that if you look back at the race, um, he was parked very, very wide on the track and he was just approaching the fence too close to the wing. And I think if you give a horse a chance like that, um, present him a defence right on the outside, a few of them will duck out. Um, whereas if he'd, if he'd raced towards the centre of the fence, he wouldn't have had that issue. So I'd, forg- I'd forgive him that as a one-off, but he has fallen a couple of times, so his jumping's far from foot perfect. Uh, maybe racing over this extreme trip will help him jumps-wise. It can, it can uh, with, with talented horses who can make mistakes when they're going at top speed, just let them go that little bit slower and they race within themselves and they can measure the fences better. That might well be, he might well be the kind of horse who will suddenly flourish as a staying chaser, but I'm not convinced by it. Um, and I wouldn't be backing him as, as favourite for this. Um, I've probably learned my lesson not to be just laying horses like this for the maximum as well, because... Um, you know, it's all it's all based on theory, and your theories can be horribly wrong at times. And um, Cloudy Glen, you know, I wouldn't be surprised, wouldn't be entirely surprised 
if he if he just turned out to be a different horse over this kind of trip. It's just that I have not seen it uh, in his runs last year that he really wants a um, a proper test of the trip. So I'd be against him. The way I take a horse that came on, I always lay them for a place. You know, if you if you're if you're right, then um, if you're very right and they simply don't stay and finish fifth or sixth or pull up. Um, then you've ended up taking them on at a very, very short price. You will get it wrong occasionally on these horses. When they win at three or four to one, they will empty your Betfair account fairly quickly. So um, if you've got a strong view like that, um, lay always lay at shorter roads in, in the place market as long as, you know, if you finish a second in a race like this, you can't really say he hasn't stayed. Mm, yeah. So, you know, if you finish a second, I'll have to say, well, I'll take my medicine. I've laid him for a place. Um, doing fine takes them on again. Again, we're, look, we're looking at that heavy grind. Doing fine's never wanted heavy grind, um, and he's got half a chance of of, um, of turning that around. But he's probably going to have the same grind again. The, a couple of things in his favour. He's run well here before. Millie Wanacott, who rides him, is very very good value for a seven pound claim, and um, Neil Mahon is using her very. Uh, sparingly as well. She was seen to good effect a few times last season on, on horses who were difficult rides. Uh, also, when he ran, um, interesting, the jockey rode him last time is Robbie Dunn, who's riding the favourite this time. Uh, so Millie comes in for the ride here. Robbie Dunn dropped his whip on doing what, doing fine at Fontwell too, um, uh, which is, um, I don't think it made the difference to the result. But, you know, it can't, for some horses who respond to pressure, especially in staying chases, losing your whip is not a great thing to do. The obvious one in the race for me is Classic Ben, um, who won that Classic Chase here over three miles a couple of seasons ago and um, has given the impression he stays this trip when uh, third in the last playing handicap chase at um, at Hedog, a race named after a wonderful old saying chaser of, of Sue Smith's from back in the day. Um, he ran pretty well in second to Jersey Bean at Exeter. Um, looking like he'd want to step up and trip again. Whether he's at his very best on heavy ground again is, is slightly open to debate, but he's, he's perfectly good on. He seems ideally suited by soft ground. And he's still only seven, even though he's been around for a fair while. His yard tends to be underrated. Again, the only issue I have is he's not a tremendous price. You know, he's, he's, he's in here as second favourite, isn't he, Classic Ben? He is indeed. Um, but in saying that, if I think the favourite's a false favourite, then by definition, um, there should be a degree of value in backing him. Shanro uh, Santos likes this track, doesn't jump well enough as a rule. Um, although he's um, he's got some decent form around Sand, and he was going to win a decent race here a couple of years ago and falling late on the day, or he's going to go very close in that. Um, and he has won at the track before. I could see him running well enough, but... Um, for me, he'll always he'll always lose his chance with with jumping errors, and I wouldn't rule out Regal Flow. I know my, my old my old mate, Mister Massey, is very keen on the chances of Regal Flow at a massive price. He was forty to one in the week, um, and uh, I know Dave backed him each way, getting three places, um, knowing that this race would cut up given who was in the field and, and the fact that there were about four different staying chases over the weekend. So you, you say, oh, this used to always get a big field, didn't it? Look at the races you have in competition. You've got this, you've got the Beecher, you've got the Welsh National Trial, you've got the Borders National, you've got one or two other races of fair quality over three mile plus this weekend. So there just aren't enough stairs to go around these races. So it's not like you can complain that, you know, why aren't owners or trainers running their horses and the, and the um the London National, because they're running them in a race elsewhere this weekend. 
there's just too, you know, it doesn't seem particularly good race planning to have so many races that suit a certain kind of horse all on the same weekend. But that's um, that's a discussion for another day. Yeah, um, Regal was only just beaten in the final of the Veterans Series here last year. Uh, went down on the closest of photographs after making most of the running. Um, and he is two pounds lower in the weights and he was 40 to one. He's not 40 to one now, obviously, but he'd still be, he'd still be a big price for this. You got the betting in front of you again? 16s. Yes, yeah, so, well, 16s, obviously. Uh, 16s is a fair price. Uh, but obviously, if you did your work during the week and you thought, well, there's, there's not going to be, there might not be eight runners in this race. Um, and this horse, I think, is going to squeak, is 40 to one and you're getting, you're getting, um, eight to one about it finishing third. Well, you're not getting any price about it finishing third now because you'd only get two places for each way betting. So uh, it made sense to back him early. So fair play to uh, to Mr. Massey, who was keen on his chances. The negative with him, of course, is that although he's three pound lower than when going very close at this track last year, he's 13 turning 14 and there's only so long um, horses that are capable of, of showing um, form at this level and not many 14-year-olds um, will be capable of um, of hitting the frame here. Although some of us still remember a 15-year-old finishing second in the Gold Cup at Cheltenham 40 years ago. Yeah, but that was 40 years ago. So who are yeah, you going to side with then in this race? Now, so he's unlikely to, to show the same form now, isn't he? Yeah, who are you going to side with in this race? Well, if I if I had a selection in the race, it would be Classic Ben. Okay. Uh, I'm just a bit disappointed that he's not, he's not a great price. But I might what I might end up doing... I'll probably have to dig out a selection. Might be him. Um, I might just suggest laying the, the favourite for a place. And then if he ends up winning 10 lengths, I've got to eat humble pie, but it won't be hugely expensive humble pie. Okay. Uh, Grant Sefton will fly through here. Uh, the betting is uh, Huntsman's Son, 6-1 to one, Modus. Good old Modus, 7-1. to one. Lord de Menseel, 8-1. to one. Uh, Senior Citizen, 9s. And Springtown Lake, 10-1. to one. Semedigal is 11s as they jump the Grand National fences as well. Um, who strikes you as uh, an each-way play or even as the most likely winner, Rory? Uh, I, I, I thought this was tough. Um, and there was nothing that absolutely stood out to me. Um, I, I would have been reasonably keen on... Um, um, let's think I might correctly, Huntsman's son. Just wonder whether the rise he got for his reappearance win at Weatherby, he'd been off the track for a long time before that. Um, and he won very nicely from two for goals. Um, that was a career best from him despite his long absence. And again, despite the fact that he's 10, I think there's still a bit more life in him, but he did go up nine pounds for that. That was his first run after a long break. And there's half a chance he could bounce from it, um, which puts me off slightly, but he's a nice type. I'm inclined to throw a couple of bob at Pingai Pedro, who's been a, a bit of a revelation this year. Okay. And he's um, a big price. He's, he's 25s. Yeah. And he, he was even bigger than that, um, which is what, where he caught my eye. He was a, a winner at uh, Chepstow on quick grounds um, in October. He then ran the race of his life to be third in the Halden Gold Cup last time out. Um, and he showed... It showed plenty of moxie in that race. Moxie's a good word, isn't it? Great word. Which I was been reacquainted with the word from watching um, Better Call Saul. 
um, recently. Great um, show. Yeah, you would you wouldn't have given him much of a chance of getting involved in this um, six months ago, Pink Eye Pedro. But the fact that he was able to to finish third in the Halden Gold Cup on on softer ground over a trip that was probably too short for him and against high class horses, I thought was a very good effort and shows that he's you know he's not just a horse who can who, who can dominate weaker rivals. Um, the trip would be fine for him. Um, he's he's jumps um, Exeter pretty well. Exeter's not an easy track to jump around, and I can see him running a decent race at a price. Um, but this is this is wide open, you know. It could be ten to one the field uh, for this contest, and it's never an easy way. It's never easy to spot um, ideal horses for races like this, um, and a lot can change in the first two or three fences because they they will go off pretty hard here, and horses can find that uh, races are, are won or lost um, early in the day. But um, yeah, so I so I want to either find a horse that I think is just absolutely perfect for entry, or I want to find one at a good price. And uh, Pink Eye Pedro uh, appeals to me. He, he was held up at Exeter last time, but he he was handy when he won at Chepstow. Um, I always like to see a horse who's capable of of racing handily here. But you do have a lot of potential front runners here. You've got uh, Bobe, Lord de Manil, Mike Bite, Dedero Valla, Sir Jackie, Dingo Dollar, Swift Crusader all traditionally race up with the pace. Uh, whether they all want to here is another matter altogether. Um, but that suggests there's going to be a strong pace. And it always happens, for me, um, although you've got a big wide track and you've got a long way to go right, I always think over the shorter trip at entry, it's difficult to come from off the pace. And I want to see a horse who can race handily. Got a lot of horses who make all the running, for example. Um, who can do that? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure who's going to win the early battle for the lead, and that makes it difficult to be confident about a, um, a win-only selection. So, as I said, I'm, I'll stick with um, with a big price and a small bet on Pink-Eyed Pedro. 25s, if you can still get it, about Rory's Pink-Eyed Pedro uh, on the final Forlorn podcast. The last race we'll talk about, and we'll just touch on it very, very briefly, Rory, because we don't have the full declarations yet because... Irish racing. Uh, the John Durkin Memorial Punchestown Chase has been a fantastic race over the years. Um, who knows who lines up? Uh, fairly reasonable idea, but it should be uh, centred around a couple. Um, Chris's Dream will be one of them, and the horse that I'll go for, Battle Over Doyen, would be another with that uh, crucial easy game form. If you can beat easy game by six lengths... You're one hell of a racehorse. Um, what about yourself? What's your current idea of the John Durkin Memorial Chase winner? Um, well, Min's the horse to beat. Min, Min looks like he's he's a likely runner because Willie has um, has a fair number in here. He's also got Shaq and Persois entered in the race in the same colours, but he's been available to back at 20s and bigger during the week. And given he's probably the best horse in training in Ireland uh, at the moment, uh, if you can back him at 20s for any race, he's not running in it. Um, that would appear to be the case. Couldn't he go to the Cork? Also among, sorry? Couldn't he go to Cork? Couldn't they take uh, him down to the Hillyway? Uh, they, they they have plenty of options um, uh, with him, I'm not sure. He, I wonder, is he in it? I'd like he's, to got th- he's got three entries. He's, he's in the Hillyway, yeah. Um, so it's, uh, the suggestion is that he might be running in the Hillyway. He's in this, and he's obviously in... Um, in the two miler at Christmas at Leopard's time as well. But, um, you know, we might, as well, might as well have a look at the Hillyway while we're doing this, Emmett, and see uh, see what crossover there is. Judging by the betting, the horses most likely to turn up here are um, uh, possibly Alaho. He's not, you know, 
there's been no exchange market on this and it tends to give a bit more away but um, um, Alaho is not a huge price with the, the firms Battle Over Doyen um, has attracted Chris's dream has attracted support which suggests that he's, he's a definite intended runner mm. here Larisborg has been any price you like he's been back in training for a while but the fact that he's been a big price for this suggests that he's not running um, Mellon's not a huge price so he might um, Min is, is short so he looks like he's um, very much an intended runner and he's the horse to beat um, on form having won it for the last two years um, Sam Crow's in the betting as well um, as is uh, the, the other Jigginstein runner Mortal but he's any price you like but then again Mortal would be any price you like whether he was an intended runner or not um, I'm not massively against your selection I have to say because I've stuck him in the tent to follow oi oi Definitely the tent to follow. He's he's a horse who's looked very good for the last two seasons and hasn't seen his season out. Mm. Um, he was he was beaten, I think, when he fell at Leperstein, wasn't he? I mean, he, he traded odds on in the full gas, but he was beaten when he came down. Yeah, uh, and he then I mean, he didn't run badly in the RSA, but he didn't run up to his form in finishing fourth there. But he looked very good uh, when winning the Florida Pearl here, um, and then when scoring again in the Neville Hotels at Christmas. Uh, not that he was, you know, hugely pushed either time. He he got a fairly easy time of things, um, but he looked very good. And again, he looked very good on his reappearance um, uh, against the Easy Game in the uh, the Lock Instruction um, Chase. The question with him is whether it's all style over substance, or whether his issue has been that he's at his best in the winter rather than the spring. Because of course he, he pulled up at Cheltenham on, the, on the, as an office hurdler when strongly fancied. Um, the other possibility, um, which Gordon Elliott seems to be coming around to, is that he doesn't really want three miles. Um, although it wasn't quite three miles in the in the uh, the flow gas, um, and he won over three miles at Leopard's time. But you know he did that through through class. He was four to nine on the day, and he had his race won a fair way out. He just doesn't. I don't think he sees a really stiff three miles out. So dropping about two and a half is definitely a positive move. Um, and he's a player here. But he does, you know, but even on his best form, which is his, his form in beating Easy Game last time out, he's got to improve a fair bit to be beating Min. Uh, and there's no reason to think, you know, Min's been around for a long time. And when you're, you know, if you're looking at anti-post bets for Cheltenham or you're looking at the tent to follow, you tend to skip over horses like Min. But his his performances in the book are very, very good. Mm. Um, and just go back to his um, his win in the Melling Chase at the entry. I mean, he, oh. he'd run probably the only poor race of his career in the Champion Chase, and he's come out and absolutely slaughtered them in the Melling Chase. That was almost a perfect performance. Um, Ruby, you know, they got the tactics wrong. It's well, they, they they knew what they were doing at Cheltenham. They took a gamble on tactics which didn't suit him. Um, uh, trying to um, to beat Altior, um, and then uh, allowing him to bowl along, he was tremendous. Um, and he won this race last year for the second time, and he did it in decent style. And he, you know, he's run an absolute cracker. I thought in the Dublin Chase in February, given that he was um, there was no hiding place that day. I thought he's run an absolutely tremendous race to be second to, to Shaq and Um That's I thought the pair of them lit Leberstein up that day. I thought that was a tremendous race. So the, there aren't. You know, the only issue you have with Min is that no, oh, he's been around forever. He's a nine-year-old now, but in terms of what he's achieved on the course, um, you cannot you cannot crap him at all. He didn't have to be at his best to win the Ryanair. Um, I'm not didn't even mention the Ryanair as an outstanding performance there. 
um, given he's got so many other good ones on his CV. So he is the horse to beat here. Um, even if you believe that um, uh, that's Gordon's found the key um, to um, to battle over Doyen, he still has to improve even on his best run to be beating Min here, uh, which I wouldn't put beyond him. And again, Alaho is a horse who, like um, Battle Over Doyen, has been tried quite a lot at three miles, um, but it may well be that he proves best short of that. So he'd be an interesting one if Willie, if Willie did run him here, but we're not sure that's going to happen given that, um, uh, A, Willie's already got Min, but he's got Melon in the race as well. So um, Min certainly looks the main, the main hope. And, and there is a vague possibility of Sam Crow running. I say vague. I mean, I, I, don't know, I don't know how vague it is. He wasn't available at massive prices during the week. Um, and you know that's the one the one thing you can try to read is the bookmakers markets. Uh, he wasn't supported, but he wasn't a huge price, so um, I wouldn't suggest that he's not coming here. Um, obviously, he he was behind um, Battle of Dyne at Dine Royal, but he'd have probably needed the run and he'd come on a fair bit from it if if this is the intention to come here. So, um, how good is Sam Crow? Is the question that needs to be asked. That was one of the races at the Cheltenham Festival, wasn't it? It was brilliant, but there was nothing between them. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from him. You no, know, that's, that's got exactly a, the point. It was, a, it was an absolutely fantastic race to watch, but it wasn't a great race in terms of quality. Yeah. It was a great race in terms of competition because there was there was nothing between the, the top three, um, particularly between Sancro and Mellon. But, you know, Mellon had been to Cheltenham several times and failed before. Uh, and Faheen, um was sent off favour for that race. And, you know, wh- whatever you believe about Faheen. When a 12-year-old goes off favourite for a Grade 1 champion championship novice chase at the Cheltenham Festival, you know that there must be potential holes in the division. Mm. So while it's great to see Sancro back and winning that, he would be a fair way shy of Min again, even on the pick of his form. Um, and he's only a year younger. It's not like you know, you're know you against Min on the, on the grounds of age and you end up signing with Sancro, who's just a year younger. So are we going to go with Battle Over Doyen if he lines up? Uh, I would like to see Battle Over Doyen win for my 10 to follow. Um, or again, I don't want to see all these horses win for my 10 to follow. I want to see one of them win <laughs> with the bankers. Um, but I, I'd still end up coming down on Min. Um, at, you know, I think he was around 15 to 8 or thereabouts when, when I saw the betting. Um, he's, he's still got the best form in this race. He deserves to be a shorter pass favourite than he is. Okay. So Min, um, if you want to go down the favourites route, what price did you see Battle Over Doyen at? Any chance? Uh, he w- um, that's a very good question. Um, I was I was mainly looking at the betting to work out who I thought was liable to run and who wasn't going uh, to. Fair um, but he, he wasn't. He was. Mm-hmm, I don't want to say seven to two. I'm tempted to say seven to two, but I might just be making it up. Four to one. Yeah. Four to one. I'll I take see. fours. I'll take four to one about Battle Over Doyen. Um, and Chris's dream was backed into fives. Now that's, you know, for Chris's dream to be a five to one shot and this um, suggests that he's, he's guaranteed to run. Yeah. Uh, four to one in, in most places and a bit of seven to two for Battle Over Doyen. 15 to eight, Min. Uh, five, Sam Crow. But money for him in places, so he may well may well be an intended runner. He's, uh, when you look at the differential between him and Battle Over Doyen, there's not much in it. Um, but maybe that's almost, it's almost as if they're coupled there, isn't it? Well, Sam Crow's rated 160. Battle over Doyen's rated 160. I'll take the battle over Doyen. Thank you very much. Given that he's given that he's beaten Sam Crow, but again, exactly. I'm not sure. And doesn't have to run on a nebulizer. 
Yes. Uh, yeah, Chris's dream is short as he's five to one in one place. He's as short as three to one for this. So looking at the betting now, Mellon's um, drifted to tens. Shakin Perslaj is at twenties. Um, Tornado Flyer twenty fives. Le Richebrook thirty threes. Mortal hundred. I think you can forget all of those either on the grounds that they're not running or the grounds that on the grounds that. Uh, if they do run, this will be a big price anyway. So you're looking probably at Chris's Dream, Alaho, Sam Crow, Battle of Ardoin, and Min. Um, I would be disappointed if we didn't see at least four of those five in the race. Yeah, me too. It may well be that we don't see both Battle of Ardoin and Sam Crow. If we're not seeing Battle of Ardoin and Sam Crow, then um, uh, we'll see one of them. If, if we don't see both of them, the, you you. you Really want to be back in Min now at fifteen to eight, in my opinion. Oh, he'll go off long at dawn if they don't rock up. Um, yeah, well, one one of them will certainly run, but there are there are but, obvious reasons to think that both of them won't run. Although mm-hmm. the fact that they ran against each other at Down Royal, yeah, and, and, uh, are not shy of running them against each other, um, means that maybe maybe they are both intended runners. But there's nothing in the prices to to favour one over the other in terms of of um, of turning up. Mm. Um, Battle of Verdoyen beat Sancro last time out, but some people argue that Sancro has the better form, having won the um, the marsh. Interesting um, that that uh, Alaho has a, a shared entry in Cork and the Hillyway over two miles. When we're looking at him as a potential Gold Cup horse, just yeah, showing that there is a completely intriguing one. But anyway, more importantly, what is your best bet of the weekend? My best bet of the weekend. Oh, lordy. Who'd have thunk it? Who'd have thunk it? What a question. I don't rightly know. I don't know. I I try to be, I try not to be quite so um, absolutely down the line on this these days, mainly because I'm I'm writing a column for the Irish Field on Saturday and I don't want to give away too many spoilers. Um, And again, we're kind of weather dependent. So... Uh, what can I? What can I find? I should. Find, I should have found something at the away meetings, shouldn't I? Yeah. It's not ever, but um, thus far I haven't. Uh, I. I the only horse I've backed so far, I'll, I'll put up Kuzhar Sivala. Okay. On the basis that I have backed him already, he will handle the grind if it comes up softer at the entry. I don't. I think the grind's just going to be sort of generally soft on the, on the national course. Um, but we're not looking. The point about him was he was bigger early in the week, which is why I got involved. I also put him up in the paper. Um, so don't be um, don't be piling in at the prices on him. But given the lack of um, the lack of other um, huge tips from me, he'll 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 count as the only one I've actually backed. Hitman, um, do, do buy yourself a copy of the Irish Field, or indeed subscribe to the Irish Field, or you. you um, you can either get yourself a subscription or you can subscribe for free and read a limited number of articles every month. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Subscribe. You, 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 pay the money. Pay, you should pay the money. There's a, there's a hell of a lot in the Irish field. A hell of Some a lot. Some great content there. And if you sit there complaining about the, um, um, about the, the national racing newspaper um, because of the, the quality and the, or the lack of, information that's relevant to you in there. At least get yourself a copy of the Irish Fields and, and read that from cover to cover. You'll be amazed at the uh, the breadth yeah. of information in it. They also cover detailed bloodstock as well. So there's some 
there's something for everybody, but it's full point to point coverage. Yeah, coverage of uh, coverage of, of um, almost every equine pursuit you can think of. Um, Great opinion uh, so, pieces. Yeah, yeah. All good do, stuff. Even do, I read it. Do they want to pay advertising? Great. If they do, uh, contact me, um, and uh, and we'll talk business. But no, seriously, they should. You should be supporting the Irish field. It's absolutely brilliant. Uh, yeah. So my uh, piece for the field will go will go live on Friday evening online. Okay. Um, and then the paper obviously comes out on the. You can get the digital subscription um, on on again on Friday Friday evening. I think. Look in this in this PDF digital world get the digital subscription. I'm not having a go at the paper. Um, you know, that's fine. My uncle still reads the newspaper. That's grand. But for me, it's all about the PDFs. It's all about the uh, the digital Oh, content. you can't light a fire with a PDF, can you? Uh, well, just turn on the heater instead, Rory. Uh, the Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by The Toast, now under new management and is looking to bring pool betting back to the masses with better value, brilliant bets, and a new slick app. Uh, the new Tote guarantee, you will never be paid less than the SP on win bets. And of course... If the pool pays more, you get the bigger price with the guarantee. Uh, it's also never been easier to place your favorite bets online, including the place pots, scoop sticks, as well as the brand new Tote Survivor, where the aim of the game is to be the last person standing. Importantly, when you bet with the Tote, your money actually goes back into supporting the sport that we all love, when the industry desperately needs it more than ever. And of course, because the Tote aren't a bookie, You'll never have your account closed. Winners are more than welcome with the toast. If you haven't got an account, join today and get a risk-free bet on any of the pools. Terms and conditions apply and all that malarkey. And uh, Roy DeLarge is back with us on Monday alongside new Final Fallen Podcast favourite Matt Toombs as we review the weekend's racing action. That's it. Uh, Rory, best of luck. It's Hitman for me is my best bet of the weekend. I uh, cannot wait to see him uh, pinging fences. Um, but thank you so much for listening and thank you so, so much for all the kind words on social media as well. From Rory DeLarge. All the very best. And from me, Otis Kennedy. Enjoy uh, a super Saturday of racing. If you have managed to get tickets to go racing in the UK, enjoy it. So remember, we can't do that over here. So, you know, not that we're jealous or anything like that. Uh, We'll see you on Monday. God bless.